second. Honey, honey, there's a hot topic. Oh, God damn it. Pull, pull the fucking car over. I gotta buy some fucking drip pants. Welcome back to the March and Mitch Show featuring Celine Stannis Pond. I'm back, folks. Literally, I am here in the flesh. It is such a joy to do my favorite show ever. It's the fastest word per minute with nails I've ever seen. Give it up for Mitchell Herring. <laughs> Typing up a storm over there. Clickety clack. Yeah. You're going to hear his ass coming to knock you out. <laughs> then we also got Celine Stannis Pond, who's got hair redder than a fucking blood moon. I hope you got your Halloween pants on. This is the March and Mitch Show. Spooky season. I took some personal leave time because, uh, as many of you know, the gray aliens have tried to invade Earth several times Mm -hmm. and have failed. Uh, Last time, the FBI called me. I had to go to Area 51 Mm -hmm. near Las Vegas, Nevada to kind of do some recon and work work on some stuff. And then meet together with Morgan Freeman. We're actually able to shut down their third invasion attempt. Guys, we're going to be safe from harm. For another couple hundred years, hopefully, the gray aliens, not a chance. Smell you later, losers. <laughs> Fucking grays. Anyways, we got a great show with you tonight. We're going to talk to you about our artist of the week here soon. Coming at you from Massachusetts. Also, we're going to talk about the Salem Witch Trials. This is some spooky shit. You got Salem on the West Coast. They're mostly just known for, you know, craft beer uh, activities, parks, and rec. But then you go to the Salem on the East Coast, and it's it's a mess of it's a whole his- other Salem hysteria, spookiness, yeah. witches, accusations, the crucible, all kinds of spooky shit. We're gonna talk to CSP on their piece about the Salem witch trials, and we're gonna wrap it up with a Disney Channel original movie. It's gonna be none other than Hocus Pocus. Those Sanderson sisters, man. Oof, it's gonna be a hell of a show tonight. Let's get right to it with our. Artist of the week. Our artist of the week is going to be none other than Matt Bryans, who identifies as Soft Heart. He is a sad, emotional trap artist from none other than Boston, Massachusetts. He got tired of making uh, guitar beats in Boston and flew out to Los Angeles, where he would eventually meet up with our last artist of the week, who is known as Gucci Highwaters. They put out a split album together, which is really fun. It's got some of my favorite tracks on there. Um, our song of the week is going to be Game Over by Softheart. Softheart had put out a record previously called Group Therapy that me and CSP listened to on the show. What did you think of the album, Celine? It's a really good one. I really need to listen to it again and give it more of a thorough listen to the words and everything, but it's it's totally one of those albums that you could just you know get lost in a long drive and just get lost in your thoughts with. It's a really good album. It is very good listen. Uh, Softheart recently has put out a new album called Ivory. And has a collection of singles available on all of your favorite streaming platforms. I myself love to listen to other podcasts on Spotify. If you got Apple Music, that's cool too. If you want to get really deep into some audiobooks this season, if you're a kind of guy like me, you probably want to listen to a guy with a voice uh, just do an audiobook version of Stephen King's It versus me trying to sit down and have the, app- the attention span to read Stephen King's It. That book is like bigger than a phone book. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I, I do. I do remember. I'm a frequent reader. I've seen a book before. <laughs> Anyways, check out audibletrial.com forward slash March. I think that's still going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's still going on. I don't know. I think we're going to venture away from Audible and uh, we'll find some different sponsors soon. Cool. I, I have ideas. 
I'm excited to hear your ideas and look at more and how we invest our time into the show. It was a really important phase for me in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I spent a good eight week period doing some personal uh, reflections and recovery, a lot of hot tubbing. <laughs> but most importantly, I went to a lot of group therapy, actually, in, in my quest for wellness and uh, just getting better mental health and personal satisfaction out of life. And I'm um, listening to Soft Hearts album group therapy while I attended these uh, free meetings was just really great group therapy. And also on top of that, I feel like I got three or four years of emotions off my chest. I am dangerously close right now. To what? To being really happy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better. So thank you guys so much for uh, being great showrunners and continuing. Uh, most of the guitar on the album was actually done by uh, Soft Heart's friend, Noah Walker, who was seen on a lot of YouTube performances for Soft Heart. And uh, the album... Uh, it was actually recorded at Gucci Highwater's house in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the new record, Ivory, is out, and it's got lots of cool emotional and sad trap beats, uh, introspective lyrics, self-reflective lyrics. Uh, one thing I think Mitchell will love is he's got a one song where he's like, we should come meet the homies back at my place, skate out the garage into the driveway, <laughs> times change, I'll update my MySpace. And I'm like, dude, when was the last time you updated your MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember when was the last year you had one? Do you remember oh, it at all? Mine still exists, but I can't get into it. Oh, fuck. I spent like, there's a couple photos that I was trying to sell. Uh, show Celine mm -hmm. and I was trying to log into it and it is impossible. I cannot recover the email because the email that I had was originally associated with Comcast. Oh. I don't have a Comcast account anymore. Mm. My mom does, but I can't get them to uh, refresh the password for my password. Um, and it's, yeah, so my MySpace is basically just in a 1999 forever void. It's like a time capsule. Yeah. Limbo. It, it's so weird, but it, it's out there. You can find it, but. My mom wouldn't let me have my MySpace. <sighs> You're such a child. Because you did too many of those online quizzes. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I had my internet access restricted for a while after a foray into personality quizzes that were actually just masturbatory fantasies about Chester Bennington. <laughs> wild. Oh, shit. Yeah, that is some, that's wild. Feel free to follow Mitchell Herring on Instagram at Skate MacGyver. And feel free to follow Celine Sanispon on Instagram. That's Celine Cesspool. The record uh, that's my main favorite from Soft Heart is probably going to actually be Girl Chasing Butterfly. This one has a lot of really good melodic singles. This guy can sing. He's got a great voice. He mm -hmm. actually, uh, before he worked on music, he used lots of his computer skills to make Call of Duty mods. You ever play any like COD mods? Uh, yeah. And shit? Yeah, yeah. He's a huge uh, GameStop gamer. He's even like name dropped GameStop in his <laughs> fucking songs before. There's a humor and quirk to it. And at the same time, there's like some really good like big mood sad songs. He's got really good songs with Gucci Highwaters, like Jealous Traits. The EP he cut with Gooch, I just freaking love it. It really is good. Ghost Boys hopped out the grave again, right here on the March and Mitch Show. This is your song of the week, and this is Game Over by Soft Heart. Thank you for joining us, and have a happy Halloween. <laughs> Spooky. You'll never catch me on the bad side. I was smoking good in a bad time Yeah, I know it isn't cool, yeah, but that's life I know what is something cool in my past life I know I was something good and when I die I hope I did something too when I pass Hope you know it's all great Maybe I'll be Ash or reincarnate I can only ask till I see, so I'll wait Like game over, I lose again Hopped up the grave and I'm loose again God damn, you have me so fooled again But really life got me feeling good again I'm scared for when I'm going through it again all the heartbreaks, so we do it again Maybe that's part of my problem Truthfully, though, I'm not bothered Wake up around 
Game over by Soft Heart. CSP, what'd you think of our track this week? It was a good one. I I really like Soft Heart and I really need to listen to more of him. Nice. Um, one thing I, I wanted to say is I, because I was thinking this earlier when you're talking about his connections to Gucci. What's good? I, I really think it's neat that your piece, as it continues, has kind of turned into not just a music coverage, but also kind of a, a music history almost. Like you kind of give us like a family tree. Of musicians, hey, and it's kind of neat seeing how all of these different links and things come about, and who's inspired by whom. Oh. So it's neat seeing Soft Heart as a, you know, one of the next stages in the family tree, and I, I think that he's taken it great places. I really dig your feedback, and I like what you had to say. Thank you so much. I really do like how Gooch and him collab, and we do have a good like sad rap following on this podcast, but we also keep it real. With punk and stuff. Coming from a true metalhead, Mitchell, what was your thought piece on the music this week? <laughs> I like it. It's good. It's, it's uh, got a good beat. Yeah, it's, um, it's really relaxing. I think that a lot of uh, music, you know, with the sad rap is always kind of uh, traditionally, what is it like? Um, they use the same kind of like beat. It mm-hmm. all sounds kind of similar. And this has uh, had a really atmospheric tone to it, which is not something mm-hmm. that I hear a lot. So it kind of stands out a little bit different. Sweet. Yeah, I think Soft Heart hits different than some of the other stuff mm-hmm. we've covered or that we listen to. Yeah. It's almost kind of like an evolution into from rap to hip hop and you know, it's like, you know, sad emo rap to sad emo hip hop. <laughs> Speaking of our music segment, Mitchell, what do we got in store for me and CSP and the gang for November? Do you want to you want to drop some names, do some shout outs? We're excited. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, we've got some cool shit. Yeah, so the conf- we only have so we've got I'll, we'll give we'll give you one. We've got like four artists um, on the hook, and the one that I'm most excited to talk about is going to be on November 16th, and we're going to have Loja in here, which uh, with uh, the singer who's a good friend of mine, the bassist Matt, sweet, and JD who's the guitarist, and so that'll be uh, later this month. We have a couple different other artists also coming in, but we're still uh, working on the dates and like what we're going to play, but. Uh, we already have the early release for Loja, and we listened to that this last weekend or so, mm-hmm. and the entire album slaps. It's, it's great. It's yeah, amazing. solid listen all the way through. Yeah. You heard it here first. We're going to interview Salem, do metal rockers, Loja, talk about their new album. We're heard first here on the March and Mitch show. This is really cool. Celine was bragging to me like, Alex, I'm in the music industry now. I'm in we're, the music We're biz. officially in the music biz. <laughs> It's the business. We're in the money. We're mm. in the money. Not really, but <laughs> <laughs> not in the money. It's going to be one of my longtime career and dream goals to finally interview local artists on the show. Mitchell, thank you for showing some initiative and getting November rocking for us. And that's all we have for the music segment this week on the March and Mitch show. Soft Hearts song game over was the jam and Soft Heart from Boston, Massachusetts is our artist of the week. Speaking about Massachusetts, we're going to go ahead and cast some spells in the right direction to CSP, who's got a spooky piece about the Salem Witch Trials. 
I'm scared. I'm nervous. Yeah. So we're going to do a not so current event. Uh, We're taking it back all the way to February of 1692 through May of 1693 back in Salem, Massachusetts, rather than Salem, Oregon. Like Alex said, we're kind of crossing the the entire breadth of the United States to bring you this one. Uh, So I really want to talk about the Salem witch trials because it's a timely piece for it. It's very uh, spooky and and witchy. Spoopy. Um, And it also has a lot of tie-ins to modern, modern America and modern life. So let's just start with a little bit about the the background. So uh, like I said, in the uh, time between 1692 and 1693, uh, more than 200 people were accused of witchcraft. 30 of these were found guilty. 19 of these these 30 were hung to death. Uh, 14 of them were women and five were men. Men can be witches. Yeah. Often it was men who were connected to other Uh, accused women and refused to denounce their their mm -hmm. wives or or daughters or whomever. Okay. Yeah, but then there were also men who were accused of, of flat out being witches themselves. Hmm. Um, one guy was actually pressed to death because he refused to testify. They accused him of being a witch after mm-hmm. accusing his wife and finding her guilty, and he Ouch. refused to testify. So they pressed him to death for two days, which ah. is really not neat. And then five additional people, at least five additional people, died while they were in jail waiting to be tried for their alleged crimes. So we're talking about 25 people who died as a direct result of this which at the time you know considering the fact that we're talking about pretty small Mm -hmm. uh communities it's a pretty good chunk of the populace to be killed within one year so definitely a really crazy turbulent time and a lot of this was because salem at the time was a super duper fractious culture so we're talking a lot of economic inequality first Mm -hmm. of all there was a lot of division between the haves and the have-nots in salem and the surrounding areas and that led to a lot of disagreement um there was also a very very theocratic puritan approach to government and religion and so people were you know kind of buckling under economic pressure alongside these these pressures to be perfect puritan americans Mm -hmm. And then also this kind of devolved into a lot of disagreements and litigation over things like grazing rights, <laughs> whose property line ended where, like really kind of boring stuff, uh, church privileges, like what the church said that like, you're Mitchell, you're a good American Christian, so you get to do these extra things. And Alex, you're bad at being an American Christian, so you can't do these things. Mm. So just lots of very contentious things that kind of set the stage here. And a lot of this, obviously, as I'm sure you guys can kind of guess, was very gender specific. So basically, uh, obviously, like I said, of the 19 people who were hung, 14 were women. Uh, 78% of the people that were accused were women. And a lot of that has to do with Puritan beliefs at the time, which held that women were way more morally, uh, morally corrupt and inherently sinful than men because (laughs) of our, you know, you know how we've got these fragile little bodies that Mm -hmm. can't fight off the devil. So women had to be extra uptight about their values and how they were going to behave in society. And so that's kind of why women were the ones accused is Mm -hmm. because they, you know, their fragile little bodies were more susceptible to the devil. Right. And as you guys can probably guess, it was mostly women who didn't conform to the Puritan lifestyle and and traditions of the day. Mm -hmm. So lots of women who weren't married, didn't have children, were generally like just considered quarrelsome was Mm -hmm. a, a word thrown around a lot. So like if you were an old lady and you were just like, generally fighting with people they were like ah you're a witch (laughs) Um, so (laughs) it was super easy to become a witch in this time period because all you had to do was be a woman who fucked up once or twice (laughs) um and so 
uh, the one of the most well-known examples and a book that I'd like to recommend for our Audible subscription is called uh, so the book is called uh, I Tituba, uh, which of which of Salem, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tituba was a really well-known example, and she was actually the first one to be accused of witchcraft. She was a Caribbean slave, so she was of Caribbean descent. Mm-hmm. Um, she was black, and she had been brought to Salem by one of the families there. Okay. Oh. Yeah, and so she was accused. Um, the other prominent people that were accused were people like Sarah Good, who was a homeless beg- beggar. She was called incorrigible with her begging, and yeah. it's like, well, maybe because she didn't have a house. Yeah. <sighs> um, and a poor elderly bedridden woman named Sarah Osborne, who her big thing that people were like, ah, she's she's a bad one, was that she fell in love with some like lowly worker. Mm-hmm. And they were like, ah, gross. <laughs> So basically, that's kind of the the stage that was being set. And once people were accused, they actually tended to contribute to the hysteria. Mm-hmm. Like Tituba, for example, is a really good example because when she was accused, not only did she confess, but she also named three other women, including oh. the, the two women that I just mentioned. Huh. Because at the time, if you confess to a crime, then yeah. people said, oh, okay, so you understand that what you did was wrong and God will see about your punishment later. Whereas if you didn't confess, then it was like, oh, well, that's just proof that you're incorrigible. Hmm. And so they... Death, death either way. Right, exactly. So, Ooh. but at least in... Well, at least if you confessed, yeah. though, you had the possibility of not being killed. Okay. Yeah, whereas most of the people that were hanged, they refused to confess. They were like, no, I'm definitely not a witch. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, that's... Just what a witch would say. <laughs> this is just like that Monty Python thing. Right. Absolutely. So if you confess to being a witch, you got drowned and killed. And if you didn't confess to being a witch, you'd get drowned and killed. More more likely oh. if you didn't confess. If you did confess, there was a small chance that you might not have been killed. I don't know what they would do with you. but So it was full-blown hysteria pretty much. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And so And because of the fact that you were more likely to survive if you did confess... That's why so many, you know, accused witches ended up confessing and then naming other people. Uh So basically just creating this mass panic where more and more people were accused. So it just rolled into this crazy cycling problem. Hmm. So so Tichiba is interesting because she probably actually kind of inadvertently started the panic. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, she was Caribbean. And the uh, children that she worked with in the house where she was held as a slave... Those children were just, you know, just curious about her background, would ask questions about, well, how do I know who I'm going to marry and what's my social status Mm going to be? And so she taught them fortune telling and things like that. Oh, okay. And so these kids who ended up being some of the first accusers, these kids were interested in her, you know, in her historical practices and then took those voodoo ideas and said, ah, we're being voodooed. Oh. Yeah. And so it was it was interesting because Tichuba you know, was a victim of this while also totally inadvertently potentially having caused some of this panic. Yeah. Hmm. And accusations mostly happened when somebody in town came down with this, uh, the disease of astonishment, Mm -hmm. which involves things like, uh, you know, just general like body aches and pains, uh, your tongue like out of your mouth, (laughs) um, loud random outcries. Um, Some of the children that were afflicted were described by historians as juvenile delinquents because they would just run all over town screaming and just being delinquents wow yeah so lots of different things that could happen uh, lack of body control weird contortions and so usually these accusations happen when somebody had this type of sickness and usually what people would look for is like okay so this person who's afflicted like they're all crazy and contorting all over the place 
did they do any type of minor wrong to somebody? And so whoever they had wronged got accused, which seems so backwards, right? Yeah, weird. So like one example is this uh, old Irish woman, Goody Brown, who was considered generally quarrelsome. Some children had stolen some of her linens and then the children became afflicted. So they were like, oh, this is Goody Brown getting back at them. Yeah. Wow. I remember that from The Crucible, I feel like. And I, I really need to read or see The Crucible because that that ties in exactly. And I'm going to mention that in a little bit. But uh, you, so you've seen The Crucible? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've read it as required reading. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. t- I'm pretty sure Tichuba is in there, too. Is she? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I'm almost positive. Like the character description of being like a, a Caribbean servant. Mm. I'm pretty dang sure that person is in is in the crucible. And I'm like, yeah, we watched the the old film where like everyone's yelling and screaming and running around New England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I really should see that. That that sounds like a good one. This is a cool topic for Halloween. Have have you? Uh, are there any like spooky like witch witch happenings or is is the folklore a big part of the lore and culture in the in New England these days? Uh, it's definitely an ongoing topic of conversation. Um, it actually took until 2011 to acquit all of the people that had been convicted. Whoa. And and hanged. Huh? Yeah. So up until 2011, there were still some people who'd been accused of witchcraft who had never been exonerated. Like historically, they they went down for their crime. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But historical exonerations and pardons happen all the time as basically a way of society saying, hey, we know now that that was a really bad move. Wow. But this, I mean, again, considering the fact that we're talking about really small populaces, Mm -hmm. 25 people, that really tore the community apart. People lost their mothers and their sisters and their wives. So it was a, a crazy time with a lot of pain. And even uh, one of the girls who was one of the accusers, later in life, she actually was the only one who apologized for what she had done. But she wrote a really compelling piece about how she, you know, recognized now that she'd caused other people to lose their lives and that, you know, she'd torn families apart. She never really said what her motivation was, though, which yeah. is interesting. Wow. Mm. Just being petty and poor. Basically, yeah. Or petty and rich, maybe. Being scandalous. Pet petty and poor, yeah. There you go. And that kind of brings us to, uh, well, actually, to answer your question just about some of the, the crazy things that would happen. Um, so it was mostly stuff that was just like very played up as like, you know, this is what New Englanders would think that witchcraft looked like. Mm-hmm. But so one of the more, most interesting things I read is that even in court, the girls would be afflicted, like the accusers. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting because they would have, you know, these crazy fits at home and then they would accuse people and then they would be fine for a while and then they would go to court to like accuse their their witch. Yeah. And then all of a sudden have these fits again. So there's all of these crazy paintings of the witch trials where there's like girls just like completely freaking out, writhing on the floor, yeah. like pointing at the witch. Um, but yeah, it was mostly stuff like that where they would say that, Jeez. you know, they a lot of them would describe pinching and biting sensations yeah. like the witch was there, like pinching them and biting them. They would say that they saw like dark spectral projections of the witch who would show up and, you know, explain that what was happening was because, you know, the devil was on the witch's side and she was going to get him. And so mostly stuff like that, where it was lots of apparitions, lots of, you know, phantom sensations. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of brings us to why all of this happened, Uh, because witch hunts were pretty common throughout Europe for a long time leading up to this, but they kind of died down prior to the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And so there's, so there's kind of this historical premise of which, you know, which hunts had always been something that went on. One of the major causes that's been thrown around that I want to address is the concept of ergot poisoning, which you guys might've heard of. It's where the rye bread 
can have some type of a fungus on it. And wow. if have you heard of this, Alex? No, never. Yeah, there's this idea that if you consume rye bread that's infected with mm. this this ergot fungus, which looks like basically like a purple protrusion on the stem of the rye, mm-hmm. then that can cause ergot poisoning. And that's a disease that, you know, occurs when the grains are infected. And it can cause things like spasms, body pains, hallucinations, a lot of the things that these girls were suffering from. But the hallucinations of ergot poisoning are never really so, uh, so concrete as a spectral figure appearing to you. And the thing that's made historians kind of really rule this out is the fact that it also comes with a lot of other terrible things like diarrhea. (laughs) Um, You can get gangrene, like... Yikes. Communities. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mitch. No, I was going to say, does, well, wouldn't that be like maybe more part of the time though? Like, was that that would just be like you know maybe you wouldn't notice it as much. I mean, and that's been kind of thrown around as a possibility that maybe you know because like, they were focused on the witchcraft symptoms, maybe they just didn't include the physical symptoms. But like literally, like it can cause such bad gangrene that people would describe like fingers falling mm, off yikes. while they were still living. So I feel like that would have, yeah maybe been noted if somebody lost a finger (laughs) but so that's been kind of ruled out as a historical theory but it is interesting because ergot is uh one of the compounds and it is actually what uh people use to derive lsd Mm -hmm. whoa that's a trip yeah so literally (laughs) literally so that's been kind of a fun idea that's been thrown around but it's kind of been ruled out as something that was a prop a real probable cause like most historians don't subscribe to that uh, the most likely thing is that it's a combination of actual illnesses, like, you know, maybe some of these girls had things like epilepsy mm-hmm. that people didn't really know about at the time. And so they were like, oh, she's jerking around all over the place. She's possessed. Yeah. Um. So probably a combination of things like epilepsy, plus the super strict religious climate that we're, we're talking about, where a lot of people were in general kind of cracking under the pressure. Yeah. Like there was lots of religious contentions, were, so many fights over who was going to be the pastor. Were they still doing like the uh, sell your, sell your daughter as a, as a wife thing back then? What? I, that's a pretty long standing American tradition. Where, where are you tying it in? No, I'm just curious about like back then. So the, I've lost my train of thought, but yeah, no, no. Is that, were they doing that at the time? I don't think that it was such a neat transaction as, you know, give me a hundred pounds and I'll give you my daughter. Basically. But yeah, it was was definitely still the era where marriage was mainly for, you know, the family's gain rather than, you know, out of love. Well, then, then, okay. Yeah. My train of thought would be being that would be heightening the gals who are, you know, blah, and crazy. And, you know, there was, there'd be more. There's more at stake than just, you know, this person. It's like, ah, this is my lineage. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the hysteria had a lot of, you know, self-interest when it came to like, Dick, we need to put out the poison so we don't pollute our, our lineage. Interesting. That's just, you know. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, one of the things that's been thrown around is a lot of the young girls who were accusers were most likely abused by their families mm-hmm. in, in super commonplace at the time ways. You know, they were probably neglected for being girls. Mm-hmm. They were probably smacked around a bit. And so one thing that's been proposed that I find pretty compelling is that this is one of the first times some of these young girls were given any attention and any power in society. Mm-hmm. Oh. For once, they had the power to, as a young girl, just point at somebody and say she should be killed. And that's a lot of power, especially to give a young girl who doesn't really understand consequences. Right. So that, I think, is a pretty compelling theory that it was one of the first times women were given any modicum of power in that society. It's a perverse power. (laughs) Right. But I can see how that would be compelling in that situation. 
And then also a lot of the accusers came from poor families and were accusing their their family's rivals. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, the the Putnam family was against a ah, shoot, I forget the other name of the family, but you know, there there yeah. were family rivalries and so Ann Putnam Jr. would point her finger at the leader, you know, the female leader of this other clan and yeah. say, "Ah, oh, she's for sure a witch." Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where a lot of it comes from. But it is interesting to think about all of these different factors combining to create this really ri- just ridiculous, uh, combustible historical moment. Yeah. But it basically it has had a lot of a- lasting impacts because this is, you know, it was something that really shocked everybody who was in America at the time. And so by May of 19 or uh, 1693, that's kind of when people started to say, OK, we think witchcraft might not be a real thing and we feel kind of bad about all these people who are locked up and so at that point basically once it started to wind down people started to think well what should court look like should court really look like if you don't confess that means you're guilty because that's a little backwards and so a lot of good did come from the Salem witch trials despite what a a dark history it has Mm -hmm. um it really lent a lot of credence to the idea of due process that you should have a fair trial that you should have the right to some type of representation to help you plead your case, that you should have the right to question your accuser, and the presumption of innocence until you're proven guilty. The modern legal system. Exactly. Quote, quote, end quote. (laughs) It it really, truly contributed a lot to what we think of as the American court system today. Um, It's also been used as an analogy for minorities being falsely accused or criminalized in Mm. other contexts, specifically the, the crucible example that Alex was talking about earlier. That was written in 1956, and it was specifically written as a, a way of denouncing McCarthyism, which was, you know, where you could point your finger at somebody and say, uh, oh, I, heard, I heard they were doing some gay stuff, communist. Yeah. <laughs> so basically just a, a way of kind of cleansing, yeah. you know, the undesirables from society. And so the Crucible kind of was a way of making it, you know, taking the witch trials and saying, look, this is what we're doing today. So it's definitely had a lot of really important lasting impacts and a lot of you know, ways that it continues to impact our society, even though we think of it as something that's totally historical. Hmm. Cool. That is a very cool precursor to the legal system, as well as paying homage to the spookiness and all the illustrious horror of the Salem witch trials here on the March and Mitch show. Thank you so much, CSP, for giving us such a cool segment on the same topic of witches and stuff. I know a lot of those old stories back in the day, a lot of those old literature pieces, a lot of them have to do with the supernatural. You ever noticed that? Mm hmm. Like think like people were really like creeped out and freaked out back then. I think a lot of them were probably just, you know, like maybe they just like they were thinking things into existence, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the literature from that time period is about spooky shit. Me and my younger brother, Sean, had to talk about this over uh, dinner. It was like really like creepy, spooky stuff. Uh, have you guys ever seen that film, The Witch? It came out like it's all on Netflix, but it's actually a really it is exactly what you just mentioned, CSP. Really? It's literally like Puritan people in New England. Is it in this time period? Exactly. Or is it, okay. Or maybe even before. Gotcha. But yeah, it's it's a representation of what's going on here. Exactly. Yeah. There's the hysteria, the finger pointing. And then, you know, I don't want to give away any supernatural spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a real treat. Thank you for sharing that piece with us, CSP. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Well, well, well. Look where we have landed. Segways us quite nicely into your piece. Not nearly as dark. I was expecting a little more magic, but I do believe that I will bring the magic. An old school classic, um, you know, produced by Disney before Disney 
well, I mean, I wouldn't say came to power, but it definitely was, you know. It was uh, a rising star. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Disney's been around forever, but, you know, the, the uh, it was the... I I had two choices. I love the anticipation of just building it up. What's it gonna be? What's what it gonna it? be? We already we already named it. Hocus <laughs> Pocus, nineteen ninety three. Uh, it was either this or Halloween Town. If we had done more in, uh, if we had done more, what you call it? Uh, if we had done more October shows, I think we would we would probably bust out Halloween Town because Halloween Town is a good one. But <laughs> Halloween Town goes hard in the motherfucking paint. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the difference between the two is that Hocus Pocus feels like a like a Tim Burton film. Like it's got mm-hmm. it's got this whole nuance and this kind of uh, artistic creation, as you will. And then Halloween Town just feels like a Disney Channel original movie. Well, still good, but the there's some serious moments in hocus pocus that you're just like wow this is you know enticing also didn't know sarah jessica parker was sarah in it. jessica parker is she's such sister. a baby i i remember i remember that witch uh as as the pretty witch in in the show and and then we uh, the the titles were flashing as we were watching it as a sarah jessica parker and i was just like wait what i know that name who is that and i that i saw her on screen i was like oh my god that's the girl that's the, that's the lady from sex and the Jedi. There is also a very well-known joke on the internet that Sarah Jessica Parker is really horse. Is really what? Is actually horse. Part horse. Part horse? Yes. Long face. Oh. She hates it. Yeah. I would have never. Not a very nice joke. I was like, I wouldn't have ever thought that. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't, I guess I don't get that, but you know, uh, that's all right. Anyways, the movie itself is super interesting. Uh, It takes you back to Salem in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Uh, A young. Starting in 1693. Yeah. Well, that's where it starts. Right. Uh, It is super interesting. A young punk from Southern California. LA. LA finds himself in the uh, sleepy Massachusetts town where he doesn't believe in Halloween. He doesn't too, little, too, too cool he for Halloween, have the Halloween bro. spirit. He did, but he's got a boss ass little sister who like just kind of steals the show. Right. The little girl just kicks ass and takes names. She's like, she's like, you're taking me ho- trick or treating. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, she's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And like, no, I'm not. And then, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, lo and behold, the uh, heartthrob finds himself in love with a uh, very pretty uh, co-star, I guess you would call her. Yeah. Co-star. And they um, they basically summon the witches back through uh, a very interesting and, I mean, you guys, you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> been a minute. Just, how do they bring the fucking witches back? I, so so the, the funniest part is that there's a candle and it and the, the old museum basically. So the, the start of the movie is the witches trying to like suck the souls out of these children. And so like that's how the movie starts. And this uh this young lad who is the talking cat, uh Binks, is um transformed to the cat and given eternal life. But his sister dies because the witches suck the soul out of his little sister, and then um Fast forward back to this, that house that they had turned into like a museum. And that's how the girl uh, co-star. Oh, yeah. Fun. Yeah. Okay. And so they go to the house, the museum that's been shut down for years because spooky things kept happening. And they break in, basically, and they light a candle. And it says uh, they will summon the witches back if lit on Halloween night by a virgin. <laughs> it's Disney in the 90s? It's Disney in 1993, yeah. If oh, lit by a virgin. Shit. Don't know why they had to drag that poor kid from LA so hard, yeah, but. Just through the mud, just he's clearly a virgin. Uh, so he lights the candle, the witches come back. 
Um, and then pretty much all mayhem, you know, basic story. They are, uh, I really like the uh, special effects. I think the, the, the slow, um, what you might call broom riding is like a theme in this. And it really is like, in, it's not fast. It's not Harry Potter where they're like, on the, it's, it's clear that they're, they're hooked up to some studio wires or whatever. And they're, and they're just kind of glowing, but they've always got the wind blowing on them. So their capes are like, but it's very menacing the way that they, they performed on these brooms. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And the CGI for the cat is surprisingly well yeah. 1993 and i was like watching and i was like this is better than some cgi i've seen in the, in the early 2000s like what oh my gosh yeah i remember that cat just like just like reinflating like yeah that, that will haunt my childhood for yeah. the rest of my that was days. a little spooky i was a little surprised that was in a kid's movie yeah the because you could like hear the bones yeah. popping back into place and shit they had that famous music number in uh, the nightclub. Yeah, yeah. The, put a spell on you. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's the most famous scene, right? Is when they uh, they classic. they bewitch everyone to have to continue dancing until they die. Um, and then I think we were we we missed that part this time when mm. we were watching. But yeah, that's the most famous scene. That song, super, you know, Halloweeny gets played every Halloween, and yeah, it's a uh, it's a good time. So. The movie ends by dragging them through the dirt after um, they they get the witches out and you know they uh, they get the spell book with the eyeball. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, the the cat turns back into a boy. Yeah, yeah, it because dies. he was originally yeah. He, he, he the cat dies. Pulls a Jedi. <laughs> turns out that the cat was was the original boy all along, and so uh, well, they they say that they we know that because right yeah. They they call his name out, whatever. You're you're Daniel Binks or whatever. Yeah, he had some old timey name like yeah. Theodorasmus. He's also the voice of Max, I think, in the Goofy movie. Wow, the Goofy movie is the most pop punk movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit balls. So the kid, okay, so that kid played Max in the fucking Goofy movie. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I recognize his voice. He's done a lot of Disney voice movies and stuff like that. So I mean, not recently, but back then. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's in a lot of stuff. So this is probably our second or third Disney Channel original movie on the show. Now I know we did we did Johnny Tsunamis. Yep, we did. <laughs> so. Yeah, good movie. Held up. Uh, it's only got 6.9 on uh, IMDb, but, you know, I'll tell you Der- what. Deserves way better. Like, I, w- I was saying that that's a good movie for a kid because all of the acting is just so over the top and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And kids love that shit. They're like, oh, this is how humans really behave. And then for adults, it's good because it's so over the top, but, you know, aware of itself that it's very campy. So mm-hmm. it's super fun. Like, my, I think my favorite part is the... One witch who they run out of brooms and so she has to ride the vacuum cleaner. Yes, that's so, yes, exactly. I forgot about that until I saw it. <laughs> also, just I love that, like, the very one of the very last lines in the movie after the cat turns back into the boy mm-hmm. is the, the spirit of the little girl comes back and she's like, Where were you? You've, you've taken so long. And he's like, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. I had to wait for a virgin to light a candle. And it's like they're really hammering home, like, he's never had sex. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And uh, apparently there's like an alternate UK version where like the witches at the start of the movie get hanged that. So and like, yeah, you Dark. see. Yeah, I know. That's pretty metal. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, I'm just checking it out here. And it's uh, at the start of the, you see their bodies and their lifeless legs hanging and it just cuts Jeez. to Binks's father ordering the hanging to the shots of the crowd wincing at the sight of the hanging. Dark. Man, the British people make things so much more serious. Yeah. 
very, very spooky. I remember we used to watch this movie on Halloween night. We would all go. I remember trick-or-treating up until about age like 14, maybe like for I think freshman year of high school was the last year I stopped trick-or-treating. But we used to watch this movie every fucking Halloween. Like it was the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you had cable back then, you would definitely it'd be definitely on the Disney Channel at least a couple times before Halloween for sure. I still can't believe I never saw this. 13 Nights of Halloween. You guys remember that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they had that. Then they had the other one on like PBS or ABC. Yeah. And yeah, dude, freaking they would just be killing it with all the Halloween movies. And yep. then like I know Disney had the rights to Harry Potter for a while, so they would actually play like a lot of Harry Potter I remember, movies. That's mm-hmm. right. On Disney Channel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I bro was like that was when it was like fresh too. Those movies were scary as a kid. I said like Goblet of Fire, that dragon scared the shit out of me. Like, oh my god. <laughs> freaking a- yeah, my oh whole my family God. cried during Gobble of Fire when Cedric died. Ah! Good old son. Harry, bring my bring my body back <laughs> to my parents. Oh right? My <laughs> also, can we talk about the fact that that's Robert Pattinson? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Robert Pattinson. That's how he got his Twilight role. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know that for sure. I feel it feels like that. You know, he got he was he was good on the Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. God, who hired him? Like before that, what did he do before that? He was a musician. He did music. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a. He actually went to school for for performing arts and music. Uh, okay, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like he was just dabbling around and then just got fucking nailed it. Yeah, but yeah, I re- I really want to watch just while we're on the topic of our paths. I want to watch more of his stuff because obviously Twilight is his his number one name mm-hmm. film. But from what I've been hearing, a lot of his uh, his more indie stuff is. Did really we excellent. watch something with him and he was like amazing in it? Did we? Yeah, I feel like we were watching something and he was in it. And I'm like, oh my god, he's great. I, can't I don't remember. recall, but that that's totally plausible. I've heard that he's a really excellent actor. Oh, I know what it was. I saw there's a short film with him and Willem Dafoe. No, mm-hmm. it's called The Lighthouse, I think. I want, I want to see The Lighthouse. I, I saw a clip of it, and it was amazing. It was uh, it was black and white. Willem Dafoe, of course, kills it. And then Whoa. Robert Pattinson. And they're just like these young and old. Like It's kind of like an odd couple, but like really dark. They're like just living in this lighthouse. And it was, yeah, Whoa. we'll watch. We just watched that tonight. Did you hear that he's going to be the Batman? Yes. Oh, yeah. Do you see his tweet about, <laughs> he's just like, he's like, I'm, I'm kind of gl- hoping that I can fuck it up or something. <laughs> like, bitch, I might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he is such a troll. I have, might fuck around and find out. Have you guys heard the story about how he lied to, uh, uh, what's that NBC guy, uh, Matt Lauer, the one who got super fired because he had like a secret button under his desk that would like like lock the door so that he could harass his female employees? Wow, no. I think what? it was Matt Lauer. Now I feel bad if it wasn't Mad Lauer and I'm just throwing somebody named Matt Lauer under the bus. But yeah. uh, Robert Pattinson did an interview after he filmed Water for Elephants, which yeah. is about a circus. I've seen that. Yeah. And he uh, so Matt Lauer asks like, oh, OK, so when you know, have you ever been to the circus? What happened? And Robert Pattinson tells this cuckoo bananas story about how he once went to the circus when he was a kid and it was very traumatic yeah. because somebody died. Ah! And Matt Lauer's like, oh my God, how did, how did they die? What happened? And so Robert Pattinson tells this story about how the, the clown in his little clown car, the, the car blew up. And like <laughs> The clown just like exploded everywhere yeah. and that was the last time he went to the circus. Oh my God. And then a little while later, somebody, then you know, Matt Lauer is just flabbergasted because yeah. he did not see this coming. A while later, somebody asked Robert Pattinson about that story and he's like, oh, I made all of that up. <laughs> Apparently when Matt Lauer asked if he'd ever been to the circus, he just didn't expect that question for some reason yeah. and didn't know what to say. So he just made it all off, yeah. up off the top of his head. Uh, <laughs> Such a troll. True actor. True actor. It, I love and, that he guy. Be- and he believed it. So I mean, right there. I mean, that's all right. Better he act- sold that story. Acting. Apt- yeah, acting chops about something that never happened. So, it was acting. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. So on that note, I think uh, we're good. Does anyone have any final notes, comments, questions, concerns? 
So uh, this is pretty much our, is this our last episode of October? This is our last episode of October. Can we do a little, let's do around the horn and wrap it up, I guess. Let's do, let's do favorite Halloween memories. You guys down? Uh, yes. Spooky time Halloween memories. Mm-hmm. I'll st- I'll mine's, st- mine's not spooky, but I've got one. Ooh, I'll start off. My favorite Halloween memory when I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, we had a place called the the Adventure Dome. It was like a circus, like the Circus Circus place. And like it was an indoor amusement park. It has actually the okay. same color as Mitchell's hair. It's like literally the same, like a giant dome. It's called the Adventure Dome. Mm-hmm. And they would pimp it out for Halloween every year. And I remember like they would have like five haunted houses. And then like all the rides were freaking That's like, awesome. Lit. That's cool. And we were hanging out and like some dude had a chainsaw. Like, you know, like they're supposed to like scare the kids yeah. with like, Arrah! you chase them. And you're like, oh my God. Chainsaw, holy shit! <laughs> and he ran away. And I remember, like, one time the chainsaw guy got too close to my buddy, and like he actually nicked his nose really bad. And he's like, "Oh shit!" And then like the clown, the clown that Texas chainsaw massacre guy's like, "Oh shit, bro, are you okay?" He's like, "Dude, I'm just gonna go home now." And then and then we went we went home that night because his nose hurt real bad. Oh, okay, I was gonna say he almost lost a nose. No, because <laughs> the blades off of it, but like you know, he still got bumped. It like vibrates and yeah. shakes and shit. I'm sure it's not comfortable. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Funny. We didn't press charges or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If he had only had like a blood capsule, or he just oh, oh god, oh. <laughs> oh, just shit. get him, just come prepared and get him, man. Oh, it's in my face. Oh god, oh, god. the surgery. Oh no, uh, oh my insurance doesn't cover this. Yeah. Oh my god, oh, I don't have insurance. <laughs> CSP, what's your favorite Halloween memory? Ah, uh, well, I so when I was a kid, I was really into like you know the. Uh, adventurer type shows, you know, shows about like wildlife specialists and stuff. Like, oh, okay. uh, yeah, like I loved Steve Irwin, basically anything that was about people going and like hunting cool, well, not hunting, but telling you about cool animals. And I was really obsessed with Jeff Corwin one year. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. He wore the blue shirt. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I did myself up as Jeff Corwin, which ah! like I was like a, a sweet little blonde thing, like hair down to my butt. And so I just, you know, di- was not pulling off Jeff Corwin at all. And so people thought that I was just a, you know, generic wildlife person. And I remember just being so fucking condescending to everybody who didn't know what I was. Like, they'd be like, what are you, Steve Irwin? And I'm like, Jeff Corwin, obviously. I have a bug catcher. And that was my my entire Halloween was just getting to be super condescending to a bunch of grownups who didn't know who I was. Sassy. Sassy as always. Um... I can't really think of anything. I mean, I had a really good time uh, at the Portland uh, Halloween. What's it called? It's Portland. Fright Town. I went to Fright Town once. That was good in my adulter years. Oh, Uh, what's that like? Well, they got like three different places and it wasn't scary, but like uh, Fright Town, just like you get like tickets and like there's like three separate like haunts. Yeah. That you can go through and uh, just like fun. Like there was pretty fun to do. It's really interesting. I don't really remember that, but I do have a memory from when I was younger as a child and we, I was trick or treating and I was trick or treating with my mom and we're going around the houses and one of the houses down the blocks and there's this like, you know, slouched over. Uh, kind of like maybe scarecrowy looking guy thing, nice. right? And it just looks like you know one of those things you throw in your front door, and you know everything else is decorated. They got the spooky lights, they got the cobwebs, they got the you know 
uh, just everything is all decked out. So it all is this really cool looking spooky experience when you're going to ding the bell. And I saw this thing, the thing that looked like, you know, this, this scarecrow thing. And I was like, no, mom, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's real. No, it's real. And I was like, no, no, it's not real. Come on, come on. <laughs> you know, and I was really afraid of this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, it's just lying there, you know, lifeless or whatever. And it's just right up against the door. It's, there's hay everywhere, uh, like hay bales and stuff and pumpkins. And so like we, <laughs> we were walking in. I'm just like freaking. I'm like, no, no, no. My mom's just trying to drag me to this stupid door. Uh, so we get in. Uh, we get a couple steps in. We're right up at the front thing, and the thing, the the hay man, whatever, just goes. Blah! Dude, I loved that shit when I was a kid. I I loved those houses where they had like somebody leaning up against the door, and you couldn't tell if it was a real person or not. I know. I called it, and my mom was convinced. No, it's not real. It's not real. I scared the shit out of my mom. Dude, I went to a really good haunted house once when I was a kid where like, you know how like people will do the like bowl of grapes thing, like the peeled grapes, and they're like, put your hand in this bowl of eyeballs. And you're like, okay, it's grapes, but this is still fun. I went to this haunted house where the bowl of eyeballs was on a table that was covered in a black tablecloth. And so you go and like you put your hand in. And then they had somebody hiding under the table who like there was a hole cut in the bottom of the bowl in the mm-hmm. table. And so like you put your hand in and start fishing around and they like grab you. Ah! And that was that scared the fucking shit out of me. I died. <laughs> Ooh, they got you good. Spooky, spooky. Good, good spooky memories. Thank you for joining us for Goochtober yeah. <laughs> here at the March and Mitch show featuring Celine Santa's Pond. Wait, 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 What's wait. What's up? We have social media things now. Social. So you need to go like and follow the things um, at the March and Mitch show on Facebook, at the March and Mitch show on Instagram. It's the official Instagram yeah. account for the March and Mitch show and, featuring CSP. And Twitter, which is, you know, it, it's Twitter's a thing. So at March. So uh, go and uh, yeah, or subscribe actually on Spotify. That would be really helpful too. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. Would, that would probably be the, if you haven't hit the follow button on Spotify or any of the podcasting platforms, go do that and um, like and share that because that's helpful. We've got a lot of cool viewers out there all over the world now. I don't know how that happened, but thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure. I'm Mitchell Harry. We got Marchuski and CSP. Hey. We'll catch you next time. Wow. <laughs>